0: for batter up the definitive atlanta braves podcast with host joe patrick and caleb johnson giving you exclusive insight into our braves from sports
2: radio 92.9 the game here's joe and caleb welcome in to batter up it is uh what the week of march 16th the ides of march caleb beware the ides of march yeah
0: what is that shakespeare or something oh i don't know i'm not smart enough for that (laughs) <laughs> it's I a fame line from some. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's uh, Julius Caesar. I want to say, "Beware of the Ides
2: of March." Thank you for making me sound dumb and you smart. You know, just it's trying, fine. To, trying to bring some class to the pod. You know. Yeah, well, I think you're also maybe setting folks up for how this podcast goes. Or I don't know. I keep wanting to call it a podcast because that's how we obviously used to do it in this form. But now that we're on Facebook Live, I I cut off the pod. Just call it Batter Up.
0: Mm, which is uh don't put us in a box yeah
2: Yeah, exactly yeah don't put baby in the corner (laughs) Uh, unless you're my sister she does that (laughs) with her kids but it's fine no but uh but welcome in i'm caleb johnson here with my co-host joe patrick on another week we're getting into the thick of spring training for the braves finally i think able to start taking real substantial things away from the games that are going on uh, well, for one, we're mostly at this point now playing nine inning games. I think the Twins game the other day, they called it after eight, but we're, we're getting real at bats and getting warmed up for the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. Um, look, what's going on, I guess, right at the moment, the Braves are currently playing the Twins. That looks to be a good game going on for Bryce Wilson. But, uh, Joe, I'm just kind of curious, in this past week, Uh, what what you've taken away.
0: Well, I think to your point, I think what's really interesting or what's kind of about to get interesting is um, is that, yeah, spring training is kind of starting to hit that real meat of it where your everyday players are now going to start. I don't want to say they weren't taking it seriously at the beginning, but at the beginning of spring training, you're kind of alternating in and out every day. You're trying to get looks for lots of different guys. And uh, now you're getting at the point where we're going to start seeing the starters play you know, most days really ramp them up a bit, get them in a better rhythm. And so I think there will be a little bit more we can start to take away from some of these games, like you just mentioned. And hopefully, you know, and Brian Snicker alluded to this this week is that you'll see some of these guys actually get a little bit hotter at the plate because they're getting those um, those regular reps. I think he mentioned that with in regards to Ronald Acuna Jr., who, if you go back and listen to our show last week, we were like, lamenting or worried about you know his form at the plate is he going to get going um and then lo and behold as soon as he starts getting some uh some re- re- repetitive uh plate appearances or maybe he just listened to batter up and got really mad uh he starts hitting homers and things like that so hopefully that can start to happen with marcelo zuna and some of the other guys uh but i think just in general it will be good to really start to um get a really much better look at some of these guys that we're expecting to see um with the braves uh, in atlanta this season
2: Yeah. Any chance that I can get, or I I will, I will say we can get to take credit for something. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, just any, any opportunity to take credit for something like that will do. Now you talked about Ronald Acuna looking really good this past week. Obviously the biggest thing for him was the long ball showed up and he's, you know, he's hitting home runs over the weekend. Uh, The one who, may be a concern at this point maybe it's still too early at least Brian Snicker's not concerned is Marcel Ozuna who we obviously signed to you know big free agent deal bring him back wanting to see what he did in this past 2020 season and instead he's looking more like the Marcel ozuna of last March who was really struggling through spring. are there any concerns for you Joe like this this early on?
0: I'm not that concerned. And I think to your points, like, because we're seeing the same guy we saw last March, yeah. the March yeah. before he went on to have, you know, one of the best seasons of his career, I'll be in a very shortened season, but yeah, I mean, not really concerned yet. I mean, maybe if this continues at this pace going into the opening day, I won't, I'm not going to be um, thinking that he's going to get off to some like rip roaring April, <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> but either way, I think that, you know, it's only a matter of time before he starts to get into a groove. So, um, Yeah, of course, I'm going to brush off all the negativity, (laughs) all the potential pitfalls for this team and only look at the, uh, you know, the Ronald Acuna Jr. home runs that we saw this week. No, I mean, I I don't mean to even sound like that. Like, I mean, that's not how I feel yet, but uh, I certainly understand if people are a little bit concerned about these kinds of things. But, um, you know, we got to just understand that we're still still in the throes of preseason baseball baseball that doesn't really matter especially for guys who have their positions locked up you know it's not like we're looking at um was it pete o'brien was like the uh, minor league or the spring training king he would like come in raking every year because he didn't have a spot locked up you know he's trying to earn a spot so he's trying to come in all primed and ready to go to
2: have the best spring he can have that's all that is scott casmar jr this year yeah yeah who i was reminded is 36 years old (laughs) and like living the dream playing triple yeah Exactly. Well, it's one of those, honestly, if you found your, what I would call your, your niche, which is, Hey, not good enough to make it into the pros, but I can stay right at that triple a level. And so far this spring, I mean, he leads the Braves in home runs, Scott Casmar Jr. You know, (laughs) which is, it's, it's fun. Like it's a fun story to kind of have and he'll, he'll go back to Gwinnett, you know, when the season starts and carry out I guess his enjoyable minor league career where yeah. he's it's one of those. It makes me think of the backup quarterback position, you know, in the, in the NFL where guys are like, I mean, Hey, at the money you're making, why not keep doing You know, why not? Right. Keep oh the yeah. Board. And, 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 in, 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 in defensive Scott Casmar jr. He's still getting to play. Like he is good enough to show out on the triple a level uh, it's just funny that w- when you see those guys who make the most of their opportunities, but you obviously there are expectations of, of what you of what you want from them.
0: You have to really, really love baseball to be Scott Kazmir Jr. to like to be in that position where you're at his age and you're still just you know grinding it out every day. That's not buses. Yeah. That's not a life that a lot of people, you know, want to live, but I think that to be uh, that kind of guy, you have to actually want it. And um, it's kind of heartwarming to see that, you know, some players out there still do kind of just love the game so much. They are willing to do that kind of thing. And who knows, maybe, maybe after he retires, he um, has a very rewarding career as like a baseball coach or as some sort of um, scouting person in a more professional organization. But, I certainly think he has a career in baseball. Not that we're going to spend this whole podcast talking about Scott Kazner, but uh, yeah, it's just fun to see some of those guys come up and play with, play with the, uh, play with the guy, the stars, you know, of this organization.
2: Yeah. The same. So once again, it's one of those, like not to stick around on this too long, Matt, uh, So, I'm the name. Yes. So he is, uh, you know, was a long time career minor league player. He is actually managing the Rome Braves which is yeah. uh not far from where I'm at. It's one of those I want to go see him cuz I think last year, maybe the year before it's his first year. I just I would love to go see a, a game that that he's managing. Um shifting away from things shifting away from do, Scott Kazmar Jr. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um you know, hey, on Batter For Up, disrespect. we are bringing we are bringing you the riveting <laughs> topics of the week, you know, the real hard-hitting Absolutely. stuff here. Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook Live and you have any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat. I will be looking through them yes. throughout our show.
0: You're our priority. We will answer all yes. questions that come through.
2: Yeah, we greatly appreciate you tuning in. Uh, if you're listening later and you want to send us uh, some questions that you would like us to answer on the next Batter Up podcast, I am at ATL Johnson 18 Joe is at J A Patrick 200 Uh, Feel free to shoot us some questions and and we will love to answer anything that you might have. Joe, I do want to kind of transition into some, I guess you could call it big news of the week for the Braves. In this period of time where things are very slow, anything is big news. Even news that we knew was coming, we were just waiting on the announcement. And that is the retirement of Nick Marcakis. Now you likely, if you are the type of person who focuses in on the little details, you knew this was coming because, well, Jason Kipnis has been wearing number twenty-two all spring. Uh, it's kind of the same way of finding out that that uh, Tyler Flowers isn't coming back mm-hmm. because you have uh, Christian Pache. Christian Pache took twenty-five, yeah, changing changing to twenty-five. But with with the retirement of Nick Markakis look 15 year guy is i remember i was having to say this on flashes this past week uh, sixth all time in games played by a right fielder uh, it was one of those obscure things hmm. but i think it it solidifies his model of consistency that he was never a guy who was i think you know one time uh gold glove one time silver slugger just good at what he does and you can depend on him every time out yeah absolutely not a
0: not a hall of fame career but definitely not a career to slouch at whatsoever he had um close to 2500 hits i believe which is impressive um just the model to your point the model of consistency the model of just being a guy who's going to go out there you know exactly what you're getting out of nick markakis you pretty much always have throughout his career um even though at the the end his bat definitely slowed down a little bit but um just so much res- i have so much respect for a guy like nick Markakis. we just talked about scott kasmer as being a guy who's grinded ground out his his yeah. career in the minor leagues i mean nick Markakis is kind of the same way a little bit of a you know higher quality major league pl- player um and and a good major league player but still just a guy who just came in did his job every day loved the game i re- i really believe that he just worked he loved uh, the work that it took to be a major league baseball player. Um, not a, not a laugher, not a joker, at least to, to the media, always very serious. Um, but he clearly had a passion for the game. Yeah. And, and any of his teammates would tell you that he, he was one of their favorites um, that was in the clubhouse. Just seems like a a really good guy that you want to have on your side um, during the course of a long season. So I will be interested to see kind of how, um, Braves fans will react to this and um, how they will kind of remember him because obviously there are many feelings that people have uh, with regards to Nick Markakis and I just can't help but think that you know like his his the way that people will remember him I hate to say it but it's going to be in kind of a more negative light as the guy who was always like in the way of the shiny toy or, or like the guy who was Um, kind of blocking the path of a bright prospect or something like that, just because Brian Snicker knew he could rely on a guy like Nick Marcakis. So um, I hate, I I think that that's how people will remember him, but uh, I don't
2: know how, how will you remember him, Caleb? So here's my thing. And it is tough for me. If you, if you had asked me at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020, how I felt about Nick Marcakis I st- I still you know would have given you the model of consistency, the just class act in the locker room guy who's not gonna give you a lot of information media wise, but he's giving tons of information to the other players around, mm-hmm. uh, and even so, kind of weirdly transitioned into a bit of a coach yeah. in his in his last tenure you know here with the Braves in twenty twenty. The, the backing out and then coming back to play thing really bothered me. And, <laughs> and it's one of those, everyone is completely entitled to their own opinion. It just bugged me with what got him to step out was his family. And then what got him to go back and play was his teammates who he you know said he was letting down. I thought that was a really weird moment and a, and a, I don't want to call it a blemish because everyone's going to have their own opinion about how he handled that. Mm -hmm. I just didn't personally love it. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of hate that that mixed with how poorly he played at the end of the 2020 season and kind of, he was one who went out with a thud where, you know, it just, you didn't expect to get anything from him in a moment where you really needed some offensive power, especially in the, you know, the big playoff push. And so I, I don't want to say disappointed, you know, but it is tough that that was the lasting memory. Cause I feel that's what, whatever you see last is what typically tends to stick around more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it almost like, I want to force myself to remember the good days, you know, w- when, when things were going well. And, and I think that happens for a lot of players who play a long time in their career. Like not everyone can go out on a high, um, you know, most do kind of crash and burn for, you know, not having a better term to use there. And so that, I guess my thing is I want to remember the good days, but those lasting memories towards the end, are what is going to stick out. However, just great signing by the Braves overall. I mean yes. he was v- yep. he was very much well worth what the Braves got out of him. He w- they yeah. honestly they honestly just at the end were squeezing the end of the toothpaste tube and nothing was coming out. Mm-hmm. Yep. and you can put it you, you can't put that on the Brave you, you can't put that on Nick Marquet because you have to put that on the Braves organization for not setting things up any yeah. better.
0: Yeah, and that's a that's a great way to put it. I I do think that to cut him a little bit of slack, I think that the way the circumstances of the pandemic and the way that last season shook out is probably the the worst case scenario for a player that is in his position where Absolutely. you're a guy who's like a, kind of at the end and then this thing comes up that makes it so that I mean I think that the reason actually that he that he didn't want to uh, participate in the season was because he didn't think he was going to be able to do the amount of work that he felt was needed to prepare himself for games beforehand because he's a big gym guy, weightlifter, um, wants to get in lots of reps in the cage and things like that. Um, and he wasn't going to be able to do all that with the the protocols that were put in place. Um, and I think that you know he was kind of assuaged by Freddie Freeman, among others, that he would be able to do some of that. Um, but you could definitely see last year he was... I don't want to say like frail, but he definitely looked slimmer and smaller. It looked like he was like the Jersey was like a little bit baggier and stuff. And, and clearly he was not catching up to a lot of the, especially the, the high heat, you know, the, the hard fastballs. He was almost kind of, it was pretty ugly there at the end. He, it looked like he had to try to guess when the fastball was coming. If he had, a, if he wanted to have any chance to, to catch up to it. And and if he guessed wrong, he would look really silly either taking pitches right down the middle um, or just you know swinging and missing quite badly, so just a tough situation for him to end his career. But I think that generally speaking, I think that people will um will just you know see him for what he was, which was a, a very solid, dependable player. And I'm glad you also mentioned the fact that uh, he gave the Braves exactly what they needed. You know, when they signed him, um, you cannot knock him for <laughs> not continuing to put up you know those same numbers throughout his into his. How old is he now? I don't even know. Uh, but 30 in, obviously,
2: or 35, I think,
0: is he okay? Um, Yeah, into that those later stages. um, You know, he just can't can't give you the same thing. But um, yeah, I mean, best of luck to him in, in retirement. And who knows, maybe maybe Brian Snaker will be calling on him again when there's some injury or something. I'd say that jokingly. I do not expect that to happen. Although I
2: think that some Braves aren't quite putting that possibility out, out to pasture. I, I was about to say, I think the more likely thing is is that he will have a, a long waiting line on a brave Sunday when he comes back for a, uh, for an alumni tour. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think, yeah, that that's the thing is when I say like, I think he will be remembered well and, and a guy that that Braves fans uh, truly will, will miss, but also has now opened the door where to your point, guys are going to have to step up and, I don't know that, that we've gotten entirely comfortable uh, with those guys who are going to play out in the outfield. Obviously, for the what well, the 2020 season or 2021 season, I should, should, should say, uh, we you know Ronald Acuna is going to take over that spot. Um, we've been kind of dealing with this back and forth of what's going to go on with Christian Pache. And Ender Enciarte is back and uh, I ran some updates earlier today Talk uh, using the sound from Brian Snicker who says he fully expects Ender Inciarte to be a part of this team mm-hmm. he's just got to work his way back from this nagging thumb injury
0: mm-hmm. yeah the thumb injury has kept him out of a lot of this spring action but good to see him back and in, in that sound um you know Brian Snicker said that not only does he have a role but that he's still competing for that starting center field job technically uh, I don't think it's much of a competition I mean I think it is in name but I think that Christian Pache is winning that competition um yeah. and that he will win it and he'll be the the starter on opening day but yeah I mean to to Snicker's point I do think that Ender is clearly going to you know play a role he's going to be on the major league roster and you've got a left fielder Marcelo Zuna, who ha- you know it's like an open it's not even a secret that you know obviously he's got his defensive liabilities and I think that you're very likely to see him substituted out of um a ton of games this year when the Braves are winning and you know in the eighth inning after he's already batted, he's probably not going to come up again he gets uh put a guy like Ender out there um to play some outfield defense for you hopefully he the defense is a little bit better than it's been in the past but yeah I mean I, I still think we'll see plenty of Ender and Ciarte this season so just because he's not going to win the starting center field position, I don't think that means that people need to totally cast them aside, him aside. Although I'm sure the Braves would like to, like to do that if there was any chance they could get rid of his contract, but nobody's going to take it on now. So they're kind of stuck with him, yep. and they'll use him uh, as best they can.
2: I was about to say, and that's part of the deal with fully guaranteed contracts in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think the the concerning thing is what's going on behind uh you know when it when yes, it comes this to, is where this gets <laughs> interesting yeah the depth of the outfield where you have uh what Adrianza I I feel like I always want to yeah, butcher Adrianza. his name uh a, a guy who's coming over from the twins organization. Um uh, obviously Johan Camargo is going to be a fill in guy I would assume mostly out and left but more so in short and then a um a late game option you know coming up to the plate in place of the pitcher whatever Mm -hmm. that sort of thing kind of goes on but all the excitement around young talent has shifted away from drew waters and it seems that it's come full steam on for michael harris jr who is just two years (laughs) removed from high school it seems
0: insane it's so funny how prospects are i'm not like a huge prospect guy i don't Really follow them closely throughout the season. I keep tabs because, you know, it's always you got to know who's generally performing well, but it's just so funny how Drew Waters was like the guy. Um, he was like the hot girl in school that everybody wanted to date. And then, uh, and now, now, now it's Michael Harris. <laughs> it's just like, and, and people were like, yeah, Drew Waters, trade him, get him out of here. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it does sound like Michael Harris has outperformed him, and it does seem like if you were trying to, you know, open up a path for another one of these prospects to join that outfield, then it seems like Michael Harris would be that guy, at least according to what Brian
2: Snicker said this week. Yeah, I think with Snit alluding to, he made a comparison that is one of those, I would consider it eye-opening when Snit says, hey, I look at Michael Harris like I did Ronald Acuna, mm-hmm. where if he's going to be an option for me to put in a lineup during spring, I'm going to do that. And that makes you, I mean, it's one of those, I heard that and immediately was thinking, Whoa, okay. Like, can we pump the brakes a little bit? (laughs) I I think before, like that happened after the announcement came of the guys who have been sent down to minor league camp or have been optioned to Gwinnett. And when his name was on there, I think there was, for me personally, a sigh of like, whoo, okay. So we're not overreacting to this just yet. Like this kid for everything that we've seen so far in spring is a stud. And I don't expect that to change. Also when you get the cosine of Marquise Grissom and I get published in an article that goes out in the athletic, that's another way that people start to notice and are like, Oh, okay. So former brave, co-signs on you says he's been working out with you and at his land down in Henry County with his own son who Marquise Grissom's son plays for Georgia tech. Mm -hmm. It's one of those you start thinking, Oh, maybe we really need to consider this guy. But it's, it seems like at least from what I've seen, I don't know how you feel about this, that he is the next star that we should be looking at, but maybe pump the brakes on 2021.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think on 2021, yeah, it, you know, Grissom's comparisons were even starker than the ones that that <laughs> yes, Brian Snicker were. said he was calling him. these referred to uh, compare him to Barry Bonds. Did I was yes. that was that one of the ones? Oh, uh, uh, like he, few- he
2: was. It was almost like he was just like name dropping some of the greats, like some of the greatest outfielders. Yeah, they're
0: all like Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, the one thing I think that is very interesting about this Michael Harris situation, when you compare him with Drew Waters, I don't know if these guys are ever going to be able to be like decoupled when you when we talk about them because they're. You know, clearly it's like these two top prospects vying for what's going to be one spot in this Braves outfield um, after this season, when we assume that Marcelo Zuna will then transition to a pretty much a full time DH role, um, assuming that comes in in the next CBA. Come Um, on, Major League Baseball. Is that, you know, Michael Harris? It sounds like he is the more seasoned player, especially at the plate. You know, that's one thing that has been the knock on Drew Waters, is that the strikeout rate is just way too high especially for the major league level. Uh, it's too high for what he's doing in the where he is in the minors right now. And that's something that he needs to work on. And it's hard to tell where all these guys are in their development because we didn't get to see a minor league season last year. Um, so we'll learn a lot more about that this coming minor league season. Uh, but it certainly seems like Michael Harris did a great job this spring when he was with the Braves, uh, you know, the, the, the top organization, the top spring training site of um, drawing the walks and having the, 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 drawing out plate appearances, you know, working the counts, doing those kinds of things uh, seems like he was much better at than drew waters. And then basically, you know, he gives you a great glove out there in the outfield. I mean, he seems like <laughs> it seems like he's a, a really, really great prospect to have right now. Um, and I think that it's great for drew waters as well. I think it works well for both of them to just have some competition that they're fighting for. You don't want to ever anoint somebody. You know, we've seen that with Brian Snicker with Christian Pache this year. You don't want to just anoint somebody a position uh, as a starter at the major league level. So um, good for them to have guys that are,
2: you know, scrapping and clawing for that spot. I do think it has to be tough for Drew Waters because he's gone. He's now gone from it was Christian Pache or Drew Waters. Oh, we got to watch out on these two guys. And then Pache comes up. We now expect him to be, if not opening day center fielder, maybe a month later, Mm -hmm. you know, center fielder starting for the Braves to then it was, okay, well now it's Drew Waters time. And then it seems like, oh no, now another guy has kind of passed him over where Michael Harris Jr. also got the cosign of Nick Markakis who was working with them in the, uh, uh, the, was it the offsite training? Yeah. The alternate site alternate they site. there it. We go yeah. yeah that was that was the phrase the the term that they used the alternate site where that's another one you know a veteran speaking to brian snicker and kind of putting that bug in his ear is it's only gonna kind of continue to resonate mm-hmm. until you know until we we might see something i think a, a year from now
0: yeah yeah. And it's just it's fascinating to me to see the way that these players are compared. It's like all of them get these like comparisons yeah. thrown out. That is um, if they ever if any of them live up to any of these comparisons, <laughs> you'll have an amazing player. Because It's like Christian Pache is Andrew Jones. Drew Waters is Chipper Jones. Uh, Michael Harris is Barry Bonds and Ronald Acuna. <laughs> so it's like if we could just get one of those that ha- actually happens, I think the Braves are in uh, in great shape.
2: Yeah and it, well and it it does continue something that I I do get rather annoyed about which is the hope for the future you know it's all about hey you know hey look in a couple of years this team man this team <laughs> yeah. and it, you know and, and I do I do get to a point where I want to see it now well, but not at, not at the expense of of bringing in a guy who's not ready
0: Right. And, and it's been one of the things we've talked about on the show going back to last year, which is that Alex Anthopoulos has yet to make that big kind of blockbuster trade that would true. take the push the team to a new level and really be like a sign that you're pushing the chips in um, to try to go for a championship. Um, and he certainly now has the the prospects to do it, and not just the assets in terms of the prospect talent, but also you've got the depth where now you've got a Michael Harris um, where Drew Waters may not have been as you may not have felt as tradable to you in the past because you would be giving up so much of your talent that's in your system that you're planning on coming through. But now if you have two of those guys, then maybe one makes one of them a little bit more expendable um, because you know that, you know, drew a guy like Drew Waters, if he's putting up numbers in A, like if these, if, if both Drew Waters and Michael Harris are killing it, um, you know, they're not going to be happy to just like be stuck uh, below where they feel like they should be. So I think that that could also be, Um, a catalyst or an impetus for a trade as well. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if Alex Anthopoulos does anything like that this season or in the near future.
2: Yeah. Uh, I do want to get to a question that we have from our Facebook live from John Culver. I think this is something we've touched on this in the past, so we don't have to spend a ton of time, but absolutely want to answer John's question, which is along the line of some of these prospects. Who do you feel will back up Travis Darnot? He says, Contreras looks more ready, but Snit seems to like Alex. Does Langoliers have a shot, or would it be better to get him more playing time at Gwinnett? I'll I'll let you answer this, Joe.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll start with Langoliers first, because Snicker actually talked about him directly. He was asked about him, and he talked about kind of his future directly yesterday, which is that, um, you know, he still just doesn't have a lot of playing time, and he needs some seasoning. So he will play a season in the minors. Don't think about Shea Langoliers as a major league player. Um, but they certainly are very, very high on Shea Langeleers. Like, um, Snicker has referred to his arm as a weapon. And it's like, you only need to show oh. it to a team once before teams just stop running on you because, <laughs> because his arm is so good. And uh, his pop-up time is really good, too. Like He's just a great defensive catcher, Shea langliers And um, he's shown that he can hit as well, but they just want to get him a season, you know, just get him get him a full season in the minors cuz again last year was so disruptive for all these minor league players that it's really tough. So, um expect for him to be in the minors. As it regards to uh, William Contreras and Alex Jackson, I've kind of been of the opinion and I think the Braves are also of the opinion that William Contreras is the better player. If you were to have them make their power rankings of Braves catchers, they would place Contreras over Jackson, but that doesn't always determine which player, especially which catcher, makes the opening day roster. And I think that Alex Jackson just has some things working. I don't even know if you would say it's in his favor, um, but there's like options are an issue where, um, you know, by, by ha- keeping Alex Jackson in AAA, that could affect his trade value if, if you wanted to move him. Also, you're just not playing as much at the the major league level. You'll be catching once every five days or so uh, for Travis Darno, who's going to take on the majority of that duty. And so um, if you're the better player, if you're the better prospect, you probably, if you're the Braves, you want that player getting reps every single day, uh, which will happen in AAA. So I think that that's where we're likely to see William Contreras this season. Uh, But I certainly think that William Contreras will play at the major league level at some point this season, I think that, you know, especially toward the latter half of the season, you'll start to want to get your best players in that group. And that's when we'll kind of see that start to happen.
2: Here's something that I want to put out there that is a potential possibility when it comes to this catching role, which is, and you spoke to the fact of catching once every five days, because what we've seen is Travis Darno, you know, being the, not every other day, but being pretty much the everyday mm-hmm. catcher. I'm wondering, as we reach a point where Travis Darno is getting up in age and we get concerned about his legs, if it happens this season, I, I think it would be a good idea to, to try. Is that if William Contreras is the better catcher, at, the, at whatever point in the season the Brian Snicker wants to do this that you go and start limiting the number of appearances that Travis darno has so that by the time he gets to the postseason his legs are still fresh and he's still in an in good enough shape that he can propel the team to a big postseason run I think, I think that was something that we saw last year where mm-hmm. even in a shortened 60 game season, as many games as Travis Darno caught, you became concerned with his overall health and, and dare I say, durability reaching the postseason. And so if for now the, the thought is, well, Travis is going to catch three out of five, four out of five, and we want to use Alex Jackson because Contreras can get more playing time down at Gwinnett if you want to transition at some point maybe midsummer maybe earlier than that maybe after the summer you know early august and start transitioning and saving darno's legs then that's when i would probably go to uh, a contreras spot
0: on i agree with 100% of what you said and and to your point travis is a guy who's had injury you know he's had injuries in the past that's one of the reasons why the braves were actually able to pick him up on a really great deal cuz he was coming off of Um, some, you know, half played seasons where he was dealing with injuries and uh, other teams didn't know how he was going to recover. I think the Braves were able to identify the fact that um, he was going to be able to recover well from those. But yeah, I think that that's totally right. Where once you transition, I think that it's smart for the Braves to kind of early on to help you get off to a good start to the season, try to use him more, more than you probably would. But then I think there is going to be at some point in the season, you kind of you put it on cruise control, right? You 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 yeah. you stop you don't you stop um you just don't go and push and pedal to the metal the whole way. Otherwise, I think you're right that you will get uh some deteriorated version of him come to playoffs. So you go on cruise control, and at that point, then yeah, once you're switching from you're catching four out of five days and the backup is catching one out of five, when the backup's catching two out of five, then I think it makes more sense to go to the more talented guy, go to Contreras. Um, and, Uno, and I think you could probably shuffle up the whole, you could move Shea Langleyers up to AAA or something, you know, to take his spot. Uh, I think that that would make a lot of sense. But it, it certainly does leave you with the question of what will end up happening to Alex Jackson. He seems to me like a guy that the Braves could have traded, used. I thought they were actually going to use him in 2019 in a trade when they ended up beefing up their bullpen. They didn't have to That's trade right. him. Um, But I've always felt because he is a good defensive catcher, he's shown power. Uh, His issue is just making contact. So I think that he could be a piece that is useful for another team. Um, And I wonder if the Braves will um, try to move him and then add to their bullpen or add to their bench at some point um, in the middle of the season.
2: One thing I do want to get to with, because we try to keep this within a a reasonable time limit for, for you all to listen. I do want to get to... I would guess I would consider this somewhat big news of what major league baseball is looking to do with some rule changes in the minor leagues uh, amongst, you know, some of these guys who we're going to see in Gwinnett and Mississippi and so on where major league baseball, you know, I mean, they they might want to shoot themselves in the foot and not do positive things like bringing back the DH, but they are looking at some safety things and other rules in minor league baseball to beef up offense and keep the game more interesting. I Joe I'll go down kind of through yep. what they're going to do at each level so we can kind of get a feel for what we like, what we don't like and if anything we want to see more immediate than others. And Triple A baseball, one of the big things they're they're going to do is go to larger bases. They're looking at collisions that they're having at bases, and they decided right now the each base is 15 inches square. They're going to move it to 18 inches square. You know, adding so adding three inches, a little more room, make it tougher on you know your your shortstop, your second baseman to make those tags. Um, but they're hoping that the increased size cuts down on some collisions that they're having at each base. Uh, do you, do you want to go, I guess? Yeah. Let's just go one by
0: one. Let's just list them and then we'll talk about them real quick for them. Okay. F- I, I won't go too long. I'm fine with this one. Although I only feel like this was really necessary for first base. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it will make a, I think it will make a big difference on stolen bases. Uh, I think it, a larger base means the, the runner is going to get their, uh, tiny hair sooner but that that tiny i mean how often do you know those do those stolen bases come down to that little that tiny margin so um i think it's going to make a difference i didn't think it was necessary other than first base which i totally understand
2: so this is one of those things where major league baseball has an issue that they want to solve and there's an obvious answer and then they go for a different a different <laughs> direction that doesn't necessarily yeah. make any sense i completely agree with you the collisions issue Adding three base, three inches to second base isn't going to make those collisions at second base any easier. Right, right. The issue we're having is at first base where there are collisions with guys, you know, trying to tag. There's also what Braves fans, unfortunately, probably remember: Tim Hudson getting his Achilles stepped on, and you know, being out for the rest of the year after he was trying to cover first base softball has solved this problem major league baseball they added the orange base to the right hand side of first base it's an option you know i mean it makes things clear you've got video replay to where you can make those decisions of did he make i mean they're they're in line with each other they're just a little bit to the right i don't know why you wouldn't just Either add the extra base that softball does yep. to first base, or just make first base wider. You know, and it make it a rectangle rather than than uh, than making it a square. I just yeah, it, it I mean, seems like one of those things that they just overthought. Yeah. Last thing, I don't know why you need to
0: make every base bigger because I mean, baseball already has different shaped and size bases like you've got home plate that looks different than the other bases you've got a pitching rubber that look you know it's like who cares yeah. like not they don't need to be it feels like they had some they felt some sort of need to be uniform about this when i don't really think they needed to
2: no i i completely agree now double a they're doing something that i think is going to have a much larger impact if this gets brought into the major league level which is defensive positioning or cutting out the shift double a it says the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield each of whom must have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield so they got to be in the dirt Uh, depending on it says yeah depending on preliminary results they may require infielders to be entirely positioned on each side of second base in the second half of the double a season coming up so it is yeah, it, it is trying to eliminate the shift. Do you like this, Joe? I don't have as hot of a take about this one as I've
0: seen some other. I've seen people who say it's ridiculous to, you know, to to have these kinds of rules. I don't think it's that ridiculous. Uh, I do think the enforcement of it would be really sketchy. It's like, okay, what if a guy is like half on, half off? Does he get a warning? Um, do you award just like the batter gets a base? Um, you know, there are lots of questions. I'm interested to see how all of that is kind of adjudicated this year. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, we have to think of these rules as they're trying to improve the game. And I do think that this rule would mean more base hits, um, more runners. I think that that's exciting. So I'm for that reason, I'm not as against it because I do think that it has, um, as much as people hate, they kind of, being handcuffed and forcing players to be in certain positions on the field, I do think that it has positive. Um I, I could see why they want to implement something like this.
2: So my outlook on this is I feel like I hear every, especially postseason, particularly Joe Buck and John Smoltz, who like to harp on. The shift and say, well, why don't they just lay down a bunt? Or why don't they just lay down a single in the gap and then get on base? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where I want to look at those guys and say, do you not think if they could do that, they would do that? My issue with the shift is I actually take the outlook of taking something over from the world of soccer. What does soccer not allow? offside the offside play it, you know playing the ball up to your your team your offensive teammate in front of the defense well why do they or or why do they you know put so much emphasis on offside in the game of soccer well because it's easier for the offense to offense to score if they have that option I think it it brings in a level of fairness to the game of soccer and I think what it would do to baseball if you essentially outwall the shift is you make it more fair. Like you you want offense, but then I don't know you you want to you want to even things out a little bit, and and to do that by by kind of creating a rule that brings in some logic and drives home the fact that that you're you're going to get more offense, you're going to get more even playing uh now when it comes to where that you know where the second baseman where the shortstop has to be where that line is i do think if you're going to put this rule in you've got to put something in the in the infield you know right at uh maybe the 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 end of the dirt
0: some indicator yeah
2: yeah behind second base Of here is a line Mm -hmm. you know chalk it up maybe with with white chalk of here's the line if you are over that from your position, then, you know, then you violated the rule. And I'm assuming the um, the batter gets, takes his free base. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how they're, they're going to figure that out, but I think there is something to this that is going to, it could really help the game where defensive positioning has created much like the pitcher coming up to the plate up. Oh, here's an easy out uh, because look, guys are driving the ball into those directions, just you know, that, that's what they do. It's one of those, it's not so easy yeah. to, to fix that when a guy is throwing 100 miles at you and right. you're, you're trying to hit the pitch, right? Uh, kind of moving on with, with what's going on in high A, this is another way that uh, Major League Baseball is really trying to deal with pitchers and their pickoff moves. High A is going to have a step off rule which pitchers are required to disengage the rubber prior to throwing any base with a penalty of a balk in the event the pitcher fails to comply. So no more keeping your heel looking over it first and then making that quick pick move. You've got to step off the rubber and make that throw. Do you like this one?
0: Uh, no, I don't. I think that, you know, I, I it seems to me like they want to incentivize, they want to make it easier to steal bases um, yes. by you know making it like a slower move, more complicated move, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not for it. I, I just don't think that they need to do it. It's just unnecessary, in my opinion.
2: I'm completely with you. I am I am 100 out on this rule. I think the amount of time it takes for the pitcher to take his heel off the rubber. I mean th- that is just gifting mm-hmm. the the base dealer which is I mean th- they want more stolen bases but I think this is going way too far where you are you are just giving it away that For a,
0: for a that, major league player it's too much of an advantage I think
2: yeah I mean there's already i feel like the the, the amount of time that baseball has been played and guys studying body movement and all of those things, there's already enough information for the base runner to be able to steal that. Now this is just way too much. You're giving away. Now I do want to transition that to what I do like, which is what low a baseball is looking to do this year, which is to limit the pickoffs in an inning.
0: See, I don't Uh, like, I don't like this one either. I don't like this one. I think I might dislike this one even more than the last one, because to me, it's like, once you it's like once you try the second one then you know you can't get picked off it's like you can't if you've tried, been tried to pick up twice and you can't so then what the hell is stopping you from like i don't know take like a <laughs> you could take like a 20 foot lead I, I don't i don't know um and the other thing is because of that, then it's like there's mind games. Like when you've thrown the first one, and maybe this adds a little bit of strategy, but it's like, then like after you throw the first one kind of limits you, it's like, okay, you can't really throw it over there twice. You can only throw over there once basically. Um, and yeah, I guess just not a fan, but
2: no. So here's, so just first off for, for the rule in all of its entirety, pitchers will be limited to a total of two step-offs or pick per plate appearance while there is at least one runner on base, a pitcher may attempt a third step off or pick off in the same uh plate appearance. However, if the runner safely returns to the op- occupied base, the result uh, is a ball. Okay, gotcha. That so makes there more is, sense. That makes yeah, more there sense. is a there is a little bit to this where also communication with your catcher, he'd be ready for you know, for it coming his way and him having to make quick pop time, make a move. To get an out, I think this is just one of those. Look, we're trying to deal with pace of play. Obviously, you can't totally affect pace of play because what was it two days ago? We had a 22 pitch at (laughs) bat in spring training. We're just absolutely, and it ended in a walk. Yeah, I think there are (laughs) there are some pace of play things that you can't do anything about. But this one, limiting pickoff moves, where if you've ever been a fan at a game, I mean, shoot, if you've ever been a media member at a game. And you just, you know, oh, there you go. You know, and, and the fans start, boo, boo, mm-hmm. you know, because it happens, you know, four or five times in the same plate appearance with a guy trying to pick off the guy at first. I like the fact that, hey, make them meaningful pickoffs. You can't, you can't just, well. It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good no, point. Just, that's a good point. There's not the old over toss here. over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you've got to make ma- meaningful, you know, pickoff moves. Otherwise, you're wasting your opportunity and you could end up with a bar. I, I love it. You've swayed me uh, a little bit. You've swayed me a little bit. Thank you. It. See, see, my, my, you know, <laughs> I'm coming out a little bit, you know, That's where right. I can slowly, slowly go to law school. Take the LSAT. Exactly. Yeah. I was, uh, it's, it's bad. I was about to say, I was trying to think of the word debate, you know, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit, you know, where I can debate and, and convince people, but um, no, because I'm right back because I, c- I couldn't even think of the word. Um, I think the other thing that, that low a is trying to do emphasizing pitch timer again, also emphasizing the, um, was it electronic umpire or the ABS. automatic ball strike system. Yeah. Yeah. The well, ABS it, baby. I love it. I love it. it. <laughs> I'm not a car guy, but I know enough about cars that when I see ABS, I think of, you know, automatic braking system, what's going on in your car that it's anti lock braking system. Anti lock braking <laughs> system. Thank you. I said I wasn't a car, not guy, a car guy and I really proved <laughs> myself. Um no, that's what I get for trying to think of a couple of things at the same time, but but yeah, so seeing automatic ball strike system um oh, my dad's going to kill me for this. One. Uh, oh well. But uh yeah, seeing ABS is the weird you know, to see together and it'd be baseball related, but It's electronic balls and strikes where, you know, there's still a there's still a home plate umpire, but there's someone behind or there's technology behind him that is recording the strike zone. And and I think that is a thing that, look, I don't know that that's ever going to reach the major league level. We'd all love it because we all complain, especially come, you know, uh, championship and World Series time. Um, but I think that it, because it's all the way down in low a and was before in rookie ball, I don't know that it's realistic, even though I'd love to see it one day.
0: It would probably take a while for it to filter all the way up to the major league level. Um, I'm sure, I don't know. Are the, are the umpires unionized? I think they are. I think they have a union, but I'm not positive. I about believe that. so. Either way, they will, I'm sure fight against it because they will want to continue to, um, Make those calls it you know gives them more authority in the game and that should would theoretically impact uh how much they would make but i mean i think this is the right thing for the game it's one of the most important calls that are that are made every single pitch is is extremely important to get right um it just makes for a fairer game it's a faster game it will you know even limit even more uh you know arguments about this kind of thing so only good things in my eye and in you it's not like okay for if you if we really care about the umpires it's like you still have to have a guy there a home plate umpire to do the other thing call the other things that that umpire has to do other than just call the balls and strikes so uh yeah i'm i'm totally for this and i hope that it i hope that it uh is a roaring success and just like comes to the major league level as fast as possible
2: so here's my thing. Major League Baseball loves bargaining chips. They love to say That's true. Here, we'll give you this one thing, but we want this one thing. You just <laughs> said bargaining chip and I just got shivers. <laughs> well, so but but here's my bargaining chip for for the umpires. I'll give you getting rid of the replay system if you give me ABS. Ooh. Because Ooh. I, that's right? big. That's big. Because have we not completely screwed up the replay system where I mean it's it it is it's 90% of the time we're going with whatever the umpire's call is because well we don't want to question their authority I think on this if you take something completely out of their hands where they don't have to worry about it they just have you know they have their little marker in their hand and okay I'm being told that one's a ball that one's a strike but the rest of the game is up to their call and up to their decision then hey maybe you know maybe a little give and take there. I'm I don't know. I I I hope that maybe in the future that could be something one for the other, I'm absolutely willing to give up the replay system. Bold. <laughs> Are you ready to wrap up, Joe? I think we we've held the folks over uh, a, a bit longer. That's good. we used to free,
0: going. free. You know, there's free baseball and there's free <laughs> baseball podcasts. We got, <laughs> free, we gave them yeah. extra innings of uh of podcast time. So happy to do it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, folks, if you like what you're listening to, I I will always say, you know, like, subscribe, all of the the smash,
0: smash, yeah, smash exactly. buttons.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, do all the normal things you do with podcasts, leave a review. Uh, if you have our, our boss's email, email them, tell you like it. Uh, if you don't like it, just put it on mute. Don't exit out, put it on mute. We like the views and we like the, the listening hours, all of those important things. So keep coming back. Uh, Once again, if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, uh, at, uh, what J a Patrick Patrick 200. Mm -hmm. yeah at atl johnson 18 feel free to you know drop any questions any thoughts you might have anything into the facebook live uh, chat as we're going along Uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode we'll see you again next week
1: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road